Welcome to the sermon podcast of First Church of Christ, where our goal is to lead generations into a life-changing, ever-growing relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray that you are encouraged and challenged by today's message. Good morning, church. It's good to see you. And if you're joining us online, we're glad that you're joining us too. So your perspective that you approach life with, it changes the life that you live. Henry Ford once said, whether you believe you can or you believe you can't, you're right. The life that you live is oftentimes the product of the perspective that you have. It's the thing that uh, we all know this to be true. Like there's been some things that we've discovered along the way in human history that have changed our perspective about reality. One of which uh, is is... We used to believe, and still some people do, if you go onto a rabbit hole on the internet, so just don't do it. Uh, we used to believe that the earth is flat. The earth was flat. And so that would keep people, explorers, from going out into the ocean and exploring the, the, the deep spaces of the earth because they had a fear that they might eventually fall off. The perspective that you have, uh, it, it contributes to the life that you Live, but we all know this to be true in, in life, right? Like you have the optimists among us that we always see it through rose colored glasses and you got the other people. They call themselves realists, but they're really pessimists because they, you know, they see life how it really is and they can always find something wrong with a good time, can't they? You don't invite them to the party because they are going to be the party. Poopers. <laughs> Can I say that in church? You just did uh, in your head, if not out loud. Um, so uh, sometimes our perspective can get in the way of us living the life that we have been invited to live in. It can actually do more harm than good. It's true for us personally. It's true for us as a society. Perspectives that can get in the way, like, I'm no good at anything. Some of us may believe that. Um, I, I always mess up. Some of us may believe that. This world is only going to beat you down. Well, that's just the hand that you were dealt. It is what it is. It is what it is. And sometimes the perspective that we have can get in the way of us seeing things clearly. Because sometimes we're so convinced that we see something clearly and yet we're wrong. Um, I want to show you some optical illusions because it really illustrates this idea. But if you are someone who uh, gets a little bit, you know, dizzy or, you know, out of fear of all the things they say with the stuff and the strobe lights and all that, don't look at the screen, even though I know because of me saying that, you want to look at the screen, even if you shouldn't. Um, okay, first thing, black hole. Does it look as though that black hole is getting a little bit bigger? No? Okay. See, when I, would, when I looked these things up on the internet, it looked, it looked a lot better on my computer screen than it does on the projector screen. But if you look at it and, and zone out a little bit, it'll look like the black hole's about to take you out. Um, the next one is the moving ball. If you move your head just a little bit, it almost looks like that ball's moving. Uh, a little bit. Okay, the next one I know will get you. Um, and this is the... Huh... What's that boat out there doing? Did anybody believe this is a real or a fake uh, image? Real? Fake? No one wants to admit it. Okay, well, you, you know where this is going. It's, the, it's from a scene from Star Wars. No, it's not. No, it's not. Here, 
Here's what's happening, okay? There's science happening here. Uh, the natural occurring illusion is caused when cold air sits below warm air directly above the sea. This atmosphere above the sea level bends the light and distorts the image for onlookers along the shoreline, resulting in it looking as though the boat is floating well above the sea. See, I thought that was a scene from Star Wars. Apparently it's not. Uh, you know, in the in the third one of the originals, you know, what is that, episode four, five, six, six, um, and they're they're floating over the desert. Um, yeah, it's apparently real, and they're on the water, and we're not tripping out. Um, so that's good, right? But sometimes what your eyes see aren't really what reality is. Sometimes the perspective that you have gets in the way of you seeing things as they really are. And what we're going to see today is John the Baptist, John the Baptist, if I can talk, it might help me with my job. Uh, John the Baptist coming, like confronted with his own perspective and his own expectations and him being confronted with it because he had the wrong perspective and he had the wrong expectations. And I believe that what we're going to find today and the way that Jesus handles his doubt and handles his discouragement and handles his despair, I believe there's going to be something that we're going to all be able to walk away with today because it's going to help us have a better perspective. And when you have a better perspective, you're more likely to see things more clearly. And when you see things more clearly, you'll see that God is still working. Uh, if you have your Bible, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 11. We're going to dive right in to Matthew's account of what happened just as Jesus uh, is giving his pregame speech. He's done that. And now this is what happens as he's sending them out to preach and proclaim and heal people. Matthew chapter 11, verse 1. When Jesus had finished giving instructions to his 12 disciples, he moved on from there to teach and preach in their towns. Now, when John heard in prison what the Christ was doing, he sent a message through his disciples and a message uh, through his disciples and asked him, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? Okay, so there's, there's a couple of dynamics that are working in this passage. First off, Jesus had just been, if you've been tracking with us for the last few weeks, um, he's been tracking and, and showing the disciples, his apostles, his 12, what they are to go and do. They're to go and proclaim and preach the good news. They're going to heal people and they're going to cast out demons. They're going to do all these things under his authority and they are sent out. They are people who have been sent out to do the work that he has given them. And then, uh, the, then he'd, he'd finished and he left them. We don't know where the, the disciples went. We don't know where they went. We don't know if they left and if some of them went with them. But it, all accounts show that Jesus gave them the instructions, left them, and continued working. The next thing that I want you to see in this is in verse 2. When John heard in prison, John heard in prison, John the Baptist um, earlier in Matthew, if you've been tracking with us, you've seen the, the, the power and the authority in which John the Baptist arrived onto the scene of history. He was a man who, 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 who lived and, and preached about Jesus and called people to repentance and crowds upon crowds came to him. And when Jesus came to John and asked John to baptize him in the river, John said to Jesus, who's by the way his cousin, said, cousin, I'm not even worthy to untie the, the, your sandals, let alone baptize you. I can't do that. And now Jesus um, is confronted with this messenger from John and John is asking him, are you the one who is to come? 
Or should we expect someone else? See, John's dealing with something that all of us have dealt with. Maybe not the exact situation. But John had been arrested not for a crime he had committed, but for simply doing what God called him to do. And now he's imprisoned, and he's hearing about what Jesus is doing all throughout the towns. And he's hearing about how he's teaching, about how he's doing miracles, and about how he's continuing to progress throughout the the region to tell more people about God's kingdom. And he had an expectation that Jesus wasn't meeting. Because what we'll see later when I show you some of the passages in Isaiah, John had expected Jesus to not only as the Messiah to proclaim blessing on people, but to bring about justice to the world. And John is is a man who had done no wrong, and yet he finds himself in prison. Have you ever been in a spot where you found yourself in a situation and in a circumstance in your life, and it's not what you planned on? Like the, the reality that you're facing does not meet, did not meet your expectations. And not that it was like, oh, I it exceeded my expectations. Yay! It was, it never came close. Those moments when the, the path that you had planned on, maybe some of us, we've, we've become discouraged with God because he has not met our expectations. And I know it sounds weird when I say it like that, but it's really what we wrestle with in our heart because we had a picture, a vision for what life was going to be like. And some of us, we're dealing with the reality of our lives and it is nothing close to the script that we would have written. And John is certainly dealing with that right now. He he didn't think about being imprisoned. His expectation was that Jesus was going to come and be the Messiah and deal with all of the injustices of the world. Like, are are you going to do something? Some of us have been there. God, don't you see what's happening in this world? Are you going to do something at some point? And that's the question that John had for him. Because his expectations did not meet reality. All of us have dealt with that, right? You have the expectations uh, and it doesn't meet reality. Some of us, like, we've gotten to a point in life where we just give advice. And we are the advice that we give, and I gave it outside when someone said, oh, it's going to be a good sermon. I said, well, keep your expectations low, right? That way I don't disappoint. If you just expect it's going to be a, a, you know, like a, a snoozer, and it's something a little bit better... That's good, right? We all walk away happy, right? <laughs> but sometimes your expectations are not met in reality. Think about this. Um, guys, fellas, you know, sometimes we get a shirt it's a little bit tighter. And we're like, I look good. This is our expectations, how I feel, <laughs> and our reality. Like somebody's got to tell us. It ain't you, buddy. Like this just ain't you. You got to go back to the gym. Uh, you know, stop eating the Twinkies. Anyway, uh, you know, we, we've all dealt with this. Uh, we, we see the menu and it looks good, but it does not line up. Expectation? Reality, right? <laughs> Literally every time you go to, uh, any fast food restaurant, right? <laughs> it's like glamorous. It's like, wow, that is picturesque. That is not at all what we get. Um, or, you know, we're, we're on the verge. It's now officially fall or autumn for some of you. Um, and I think, didn't it officially turn that like yesterday or something? Okay, cool. I love fall. I just, I have a love-hate relationship with it. It always leaves me. 
you know? And then a horrible experience comes upon all of us. We do not invite her. She just shows up. Her name is Winter. But when she does show up and actually gives us some snow, some of us might go outside and we want to make that. And then it comes out to be that. Like, what is that? Right? And if you're like me, you can't even do that. Like nothing packs and you just have nothing to show and your kids are disappointed with you just immensely because you can't even make a snowman. (laughs) Or uh, (laughs) some of us, we've ladies, you watch too many romantic comedies, right? Um, Because in in some of these movies, you know, they'll have scenes where it's like, oh, they have this nice, this nice little picnic, and then they they lay down on the grass and look at the stars together. So, and you think, oh, that's a good idea. Honey, let's, let's go out in the grass and lay down. Let's just watch the sky. Your expectation? Reality. Right? The bugs are like, oh, lunch. Amen. And they love it, but you don't. And you're like, this was terrible, right? And you pay for that date for weeks on end, right? Because you still got the bumps to show it. Sometimes your expectations, they don't line up with reality. And some of us, we need people in our lives to come alongside of us to give us new perspective. Because some of us, you're like me. Like the way God has wired me is my automatic focus goes to the future. If you, like if, I, I, am, I am that person who thinks of, okay, how does this impact tomorrow? Not just tomorrow, but years from now. Like, okay, I, and I'm always thinking about the future. If you, if, like, if I'm doing something today and I'm doing something I'm enjoying, it's because I can see the way this impacts the future. Like when I get most excited, I have a dream. And it's always about the future. But my, the risk I run is like, yes, I can be strategic. I can make plans. I can like have these things. And like, this is the steps that we got to follow to get to this. But sometimes in my endeavor to think about the future, I miss the moment right in front of me. I miss, I miss the present moment. So I need people around me to say, like, to ground me. Not like go to your room grounding, but like, you know, sometimes, I guess. Uh, but like, hey, let's enjoy this moment. Like, like just, just yesterday, um, we have this um, raised garden bed that we made out of cinder blocks. Don't recommend that, by the way, if you're wondering. Um, but we have that, and we planted some flowers along the edges and stuff. And they're beautiful. I can't remember what they're called, but they're pretty. Um, and so I was outside with my dog, Dallas, and he was doing his business. So it was a, you know, it was a nice moment. Uh, <laughs> the flowers and that. Um, and, and I noticed the flowers, and I was just looking at them because I, I like looking at them. And then there was a monarch butterfly you know, flying around, and then it landed on one of the flowers, and it was just, it was hanging out. I'm like, my instant thought was, I better get my phone out so I can capture this moment. But I, y'all, I was so proud of myself, I caught myself. I was like, nope. Just go over there and look at it and enjoy it with your own two eyes. And I did for seven seconds. And I pulled my phone out. And I took a picture. I took like four pictures because I wanted the kids to see and Sarah to see, right? But like I did in that seven seconds, it was glorious because that thing was stinking beautiful. And, and like I need those moments and those people around me to remind me, hey, man, 
stop and smell the roses and look at the monarch butterfly. And, and some of you are like, we all need people to come alongside of us to give us perspective, right? Like some of us, we, we're so focused on the future, worried about the future and like freaked out. And we need somebody to come alongside of us and encourage us like, hey, look around. Your life is, God's blessed you. And I know that there's a lot of things to worry about, but let's be here now. You know, that, that we need people around us. And John needed Jesus to remind him that he's still working. I know that what you're facing right now is not what you, what you signed up for, not what you thought it would be, but let's see what Jesus says in response to John. Starting in verse 4, Matthew chapter 11, uh, Jesus replied to them, to, to the messengers that John sent, Jesus replied to them, Go and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor are told the good news, and blessed is the one who isn't offended by me. Like, oh, they, I, like all of us look at that and be like, yeah, that's what Jesus is doing. That makes sense. Like, why wouldn't John? Like, But also, Jesus, you didn't really answer the question. Like, you just, you just quoted or you just said a bunch of stuff. And like, look at my resume. Like, hey, I've done these things. Look what I accomplished. Just, just trust me. But, but no, actually what Jesus is doing is something that, so, like a lot of us, we don't pick up right away. But for a good first century faithful Jewish person, they would have seen that Jesus was both quoting and alluding to Isaiah throughout what he just said. When he, when he says, uh, verse five and says, the blind receive their sight, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor are told the good news, and blessed is the one who isn't offended by me. Those were allusions and, and direct quotations and sometimes, um, two passages in Isaiah, which by the way was Jesus' favorite book, is Isaiah. Isaiah and Deuteronomy. I guess Deuteronomy would have something to say about that, but, you know, they're not arguing. So anyway, um, so I want to just a little bit Bible nerd with you because I think there's a lot here that we need to see that Jesus is saying that we need to understand his response to John. Uh, so if you look at this, then Isaiah chapter 35, verse 5, um, Jesus is quoting this or alluding to it, and, and this is what Isaiah chapter 35 verse 5 says, Then the eyes of the blind will be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. So what we need to understand is, when, when Jesus does this, because he does this all the time, he'll, he'll, he'll quote a psalm, or he'll, he'll just like a phrase, and, and he's alluding not just to, that, to those words that he's saying, but to the whole passage. Because they would have understood this. I mean, like the kids memorized the Pentateuch, the, the first book, first five books of the Bible. They were, they memorized it. <laughs> like, and then if you could do that really well, then you would go on and, and learn from rabbis and all this stuff. And, and so th they, they would have heard that and they would have been reminded that God's blessing is, is a promise that he gave to the Israelites when they were exiled out of Israel by the hands of the Babylonians and the Assyrians. And so when they got taken from their homeland, God promised them that when you come back to Zion, to Jerusalem, to Israel, to your homeland, to the promised land that I gave you, you will be showered with blessings. 
And so Jesus is alluding to that, that he is the one who's bringing us out of this exile, this spiritual exile, uh, where we are enthroned and enslaved by sin and death. We are, we are enslaved and he is bringing us out into a new exodus where we are out uh, of the slavery to, to sin and death and we are on our way to the promised land for eternity. Jesus is re- uh, just alluding to Isaiah and that promise that is there. Uh, another one that he's alluding to um, is one that he actually uh, read for people and direct quoted it. Isaiah chapter 61, verse 1 through 2. The spirit of the Lord God is on me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He's like, John, uh, this is what I'm supposed to do. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of our God's vengeance, to comfort all who mourn. Like, when, when Jesus, in Luke chapter 4, Matthew doesn't tell us about it, but when he had just been um, anointed and, and started his ministry, he went to the temple and he asked for the scroll of Isaiah. Hey man, you got Isaiah? All right, give me that. And he started reading and what he read was Isaiah chapter 61, what we just read, and how he is the spirit of the Lord is on me and all this. And, and he said, in your, in, in your presence, in this day, on this day, this has been fulfilled. In other words, I'm him. Like that's who I am. And, and people were amazed and in awe. And by the time they got done with their back and forth, Jesus teaching the sermon, preaching the sermon, uh, they all wanted to stone him and kill him because he was proclaiming himself to be God. But he's continuing like, this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to proclaim good news to the poor and the brokenhearted. And I am going to proclaim the good news of what God has done. And yes, our day of our God's vengeance will come, John, but it's not yet. Uh, Isaiah chapter 8, verses 13 through 15 says, You are to regard only the Lord of armies as holy. Only he should be feared. Only he should be held in awe. He will be a sanctuary, but for the two houses of Israel, he will be a stone to stumble over and a rock to trip over and a trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Many will stumble over these. They will fall and be broken. They will be snared and captured. If you go back to verse 6, Jesus says, and blessed is the one who isn't offended by me. Most translations uh, say, and does not stumble over me because he himself in multiple occasions, and he's alluding to it right now, has proclaimed himself to be that person who is the cornerstone, who is the stumbling block for the Israelites, for the Jews. You are to regard only the Lord of armies as holy. He will be a sanctuary, and he's also going to be the stone and the rock that people trip over. Jesus himself is, complain, is, is proclaiming himself to be God himself in the flesh. And so Jesus is telling them, and he's telling John, like, bro, cuz, because they were cousins, cuz, I'm doing work, son. Like, I'm still working. Just trust me. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. You, like Jesus, John just had a, a, a wrong expectation of timing. How many of us have done that, right? Like God gives us this like dream in our heart or like we, we think he's like wanting us to do something and we, we believe him and, and, and he, he just doesn't seem to, to show up when you thought he would. And, and John was like discouraged because he finds himself in prison and yet he thought Jesus was going to come proclaim good news and bring justice right away. Because John probably expected Jesus to bring, uh, to be the Messiah like he would have been. Whereas John the Baptist, you know, is a, is a tough dude. I mean, he wore like wool, you know. If you wear wool, you're, 
you're a tough cookie, you know. Uh, he ate insects, like bugs. Put some honey on it, was like, mmm, Ruth's Chris ain't got nothing on this, you know. Like, he would have been in the, in the grass and I'm like, honey, can I get that? All right, yep, eat it, you know. <laughs> Terrible. But, like, he would have probably came and proclaimed judgment upon everyone right away. But Jesus did it differently. And he's just saying, like, hey, I know you expected me to do this. But understand, I'm still working. I'm still working. So, like, John just didn't have the awareness that he needed to see that what Jesus was doing was actually what he was supposed to do. I think about it like this. Um, since we're in football season, I can just use all the football illustrations. Amen. Uh, some of you are like, please stop. Okay, I won't overdo it. All right, but I am going to use one now. Uh, so for an NFL quarterback, and I can speak to this because I used to be a quarterback, okay? High school JV starter. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. You know, but if I were to play my senior year, oh, you better believe I would have been starting varsity, okay? Uh, that's the story, and I'm sticking to it, all right? Instead, I played hockey, and we went undefeated that year. Lost in the city championship. But we don't need to talk about that, all right? So anyway, um, as a quarterback, I understand that, you know, there's, there's some keys to playing the position well. One, arm strength. You need to be able to whip, you know, whip it in there, right? Throwing accuracy. You need to throw it where you want to throw it. Otherwise, it's going to go somewhere else and go in the other team's hands, right? The other thing is, and this is where a lot of people, like in the NFL, like they struggle, even though they have all the talent in the world, they struggle with their awareness of what's on the field. Because, you know, when you're in practice and you're just playing catch with somebody, you can just boom, boom, you throw it, throw it to the right spot, good, right? But when you're playing in a game, guess what? You've got defenders on the field too. And so defensive coordinators will run different coverages. And sometimes they'll run a coverage that looks like one thing, but it's actually a different. They, it looks like they're in zone defense, but they're actually a man. Or it looks like they're in cover two, but they're in cover four. And I kind of understand what I'm saying, but you don't need to. It's fine. If you don't, if you do, you understand it. If you don't, just understand that they need awareness of what the other team's doing so that they know where to throw the ball. So they can have all the skill in the world, but if they throw the ball to the wrong place, even though they meant to, but it's still the wrong place, it's going to be an interception. They're going to struggle. And, and the awareness that they have or that they need to have is the very thing that John was struggling to obtain, is the awareness of what the big picture is. I think about it like this as a coach of younger kids, like when I'm coaching softball or baseball. Um, I, my, I have a level of knowledge that is higher than them. I wouldn't say it's like way up here or something, but I have more knowledge than an eight-year-old about baseball, okay? And if I don't, then uh, that's terrible, right? Um, as a coach, but hey, that's fine. If, but here's the thing, because as a as a coach of eight year olds, I don't. If I went there in first practice and tried to give them all of my knowledge at one time, just puke it on them, right? Just fire hose here. Receive all of my wise, glorious wisdom, exhortation, and lessons and experience. They would be overwhelmed. They they like they wouldn't know what to do. I'd be talking about turning a double play. They can't even throw the ball, right? I'd be trying to teach them how to, how to get the form right, and they can't even put their glove on the right way, you know? So, like, when, you, when you're coaching little kids, you've got to bring it down on their level and give them just a little bit, right? You just give, give them a little bit. 
and then a little bit more. And some kids can, can take a little bit more and a little bit more. But as they grow older, then, then your level of experience, you can start giving a little bit more and a little bit more and a little, get into the nuance of all of it. But when, you, when you're working with little kids, like you've got to just give them a little bit. Otherwise, they're going to be overwhelmed and they're going to know what to do and they're going to, they're going to just hate the sport. I think that's how God is with us. God knows everything. <laughs> everything that there is to know, he knows. All of the awareness of everything in the universe and everything in the heavenly realms and all of that, he knows all of it. He's aware of all of it. He's aware of all of the, the dynamics and the intricacies and the complexities of the relationships that are involved in every person and all this stuff. And he understands all of the choices that you and I might make and he understands all of the results that that might come about and he has all of the knowledge in there and it doesn't even break, him, break a sweat on him. Like he, he, he has it and it's not a big deal. But if he tried to, if he, he said, oh, I'm going to just give, give all of this to them, you and I would explode. Because we can't handle that much awareness, that much perspective. Because we're not built like that. And so sometimes when we are worried because we don't see it, because we're frustrated, we're worried, we're, we're discouraged, we're despairing, and, and we're tired, and we're just restless, and we just don't know what's going to happen, and we just have to take a step back and say, okay, I don't know what the future holds, but I do know who holds the future. I know that, yes, I, I, this, this, this situation is not what I would have written up, but I know that God works out all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. I know he's still working. I know that God's still working. So John was encouraged by Jesus to say, like, hey, I know you are in a spot that you never thought you would be in, I know that you don't see a way out, and there probably isn't, and ultimately there wasn't. But I'm still working. Your faithfulness has an effect. Um, and then Jesus goes on. You see, perspective is everything. Perspective is everything. Verse 7 uh, in Matthew 11 says, As these men were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed swaying in the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothes? Someone of privilege? See, those who wear soft clothes are in royal palaces. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes. I tell you, and more than a prophet, this is the one about whom it is written, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you. He will prepare your way before you. Truly, I tell you, among those born of women, no one, no one, no one, greater than John the Baptist has appeared. But the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been suffering violence and the violent have been seizing it by force for all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if you're willing to accept that he is the Elijah who is to come, let anyone who has ears listen. There's a lot there, and we don't have time to get into all of the intricacies of what Jesus just said. But understand, his point is, in essence, that John is this great man of God. He is this great prophet, and he's even more than a prophet. He is the Elijah who was to come, who is going to prepare the way for the Messiah, because he did, and he prepared the way for Jesus. And Jesus is saying, because of that, I am the Messiah. Like, you need to understand, John the Baptist is who we said he was, and I am who I said I am. And even if he, being as great as he is, gets discouraged, 
starts to doubt, starts to get frustrated with his situation, starts to get a little bit wonky of a perspective. Understand, we all do. We all do. There's been times when we've been frustrated. There's been times when we, we, we had a relationship with someone that we thought was going to be one thing and it ended up being a different thing. We, we've had situations where, where the, the loved one that we were praying for didn't make it. We've had situations where like the script that we would have written, that we dreamed about, that we thought this life was going to bring about was not at all how it turned out. We had hopes, we had dreams, we had, we thought things were going to go a certain way and, and we looked forward to it and we anticipated and we thought it was all going to be, uh, just, just this way. We knew there was going to be some hard times, but it's been so different than what we thought it was going to be that we've gone to God and said, God, what are you doing? All of us have gotten to a point where we're like, Jesus, are you going to show up? Because I can't, I can't keep carrying this. I'm tired. I'm frustrated. I am, I am so beyond on my last nerve. Like I, there are no nerves. They've all been stomped on. I can't keep doing this. God, are you going to show up? I see all of the, 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 the crazy stuff in the world. I see all of the things that are happening out there. And I see all the pain that's in my family. I see all the pain that's happening in my community. And yet, God, you seem to not be paying attention. When are you going to change it? Like all of us have probably been there. All of us, some of us might even be there right now. And we've just been praying and our prayer has been like, God, why are you doing it this way? This is, I did not, I, I give you everything, but God, like, this is not what I thought it was going to be. And John the Baptist is certainly there too. And, and Jesus is reminding him that he's still working. I, I know that you're tired, but God's still working. I know that you're worried, but God's still Working. I know that things don't seem to be lining up like they should, but God's still working. I know that you're in just so much fear about the future, but God's still working. I know that your past seems to keep going into your, into your present, and so your past isn't in your past anymore, but God's still working. I know that that thing that you went through was so painful and so, like, you wouldn't, you wouldn't wish it on anyone, no matter how bad they were to you. He's still working. He's going to bring about something out of that hardship, something out of that pain, something out of that that loss, something out of that defeat and make it beautiful still because we have a perspective that sees that God's still working. He's always working. Jesus doesn't take PTO. He doesn't need some time off. He just keeps working, y'all. He sent out the disciples to go and proclaim the good news to, to, the, to the masses in their community. And Jesus didn't go sit back and sip a macchiato and said, all right, cool. I got my boys on it. I'm good. Let me just hang back. Chill. Let me chillax. No, he went out and what did he do? He kept working. And he's always working. Whether you see it, whether you hear it, whether you feel it, he's still working. He's still Working And Jesus is like to, to John, like, bro, bro, like I am still at this. You need to trust me because I'm not done. And so John was faithful in his sentness. God sent him out to do a job. And the end result, even after he was faithful, it didn't work out in the way that he hoped. 
And so it could be that God sends you out into a situation or into a context or a community or whatever it is, or a workplace, to a school, and, and you're faithful. And, and, and it doesn't work out how you thought it would. But even then, God's still working. He's, he's not done yet. He's going to come alongside of you and still teach you something that you need to know. Jesus said, take heart because I have overcome the world. And then later in the scriptures, he says, hey, and through me, through your faith in me, you are more than overcomers because of your faith in him. Jesus invites you and he invites me to answer this question. Do you need a perspective shift? Have you been so overwhelmed by the, by your discouragement and so overwhelmed by the circumstances that you find yourself in that that just didn't meet your expectations? And you've been so frustrated and so grieving. You've been you've gotten through the the stages of grief like 17 times and you find yourself keep going back to anger. Like you're just still frustrated about it. There's some things that we can't change. And we just have to give it to him. There's some things in our life that, that they just, that's how it happened. Because of choices of other people, our choices, and some of us, we've been holding on to our past so much that it's keeping our hands full and we can't cling to Jesus instead. And he's inviting you to just let it go and give it to him. John the Baptist needed the assurance that Jesus was who he said he was. And Jesus gave it to him. And Jesus is giving that to you and me too. That no matter what this life holds, he's still in it. He hasn't left. When the, when, the, when the stuff, when the going got tough, he didn't go and get going. He's right here in it with you. When you're having trouble with relationships, when you're having trouble with your kids, when you're having trouble with your parents, when you're having trouble with your siblings, when you're having trouble with your friends, when you're having trouble at work, whatever it is, like God's in it, y'all. And we just need to remember that he is still working. So what I'm going to do is um, I want to invite you to stand with me and we're going to try a little bit something different as we pray. And you can participate or not. It's all up to you. Um, but I would encourage you to stand at least and we're going to in, uh, just pray a, or sing a song um, about how we need to turn our eyes to Jesus. And, and I promise you when you turn your eyes to Jesus, you're going to be turning your eyes to the one who's always there for you. But what I want to encourage us to do, because a lot of us probably have some things we're holding on to, and we have some things that we need to just let go and surrender to him. Uh, we've got some, some broken dreams. We've got some broken hearts. We've got some, some frustration. We've got some anger. We've got some maybe even some rage inside of us that we need to give it to him and trust that he's going to do something with it. That we can't see the end result, but, but we're going to just trust him in the process. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray just a prayer of surrender that I'm going to invite us all to join in. Um, and, and I would just ask you to raise your hands if you are willing to participate and you're willing and able. So let's go ahead and raise our hands if you're willing and able, and let's pray. Heavenly Father, we raise our hands because we're ready to surrender our, our hearts to you, our, our, our frustrations to you. The, the futures of our lives to you, the future of our kids, the future of our grandkids, the future of our nieces and nephews, the future of the world. God, a lot of us, we've, we've been so worried and so frustrated, so wrapped up in our own stuff that, that, God, we've lost perspective. We need you to give it back to us. We need you to show us what is really true, that you are always working even when we don't see it. 
God, help us to trust you this week. Encourage us that no matter what we face, you're in it with us. Lord Jesus, we love you and we surrender to you. Help us to turn our eyes to you each and every day. We pray in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast by First Church of Christ in Bluffton, Indiana. For more information, visit FCCFamily.com.